The Bizzle. You called the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to a Bizzlecast quickie. That is the first of two podcasts. I'm recording with my guy, Jason Jimbo Ritter, about DC Comics. Uh, Jason, we recorded most of a podcast about the state of the DC um, universe on television um, and movies in general, and we talked about um, what we know about the Flash movie and so forth. Um, we still have a little bit to record about Flashpoint, um, both about the news about whether there is going going to be Flashpoint in the first movie, and what is Flashpoint, and, you know, sort of our speculation about Flashpoint, um, and that's going to come out second, because, guys, we got to do a Bizzlecast quickie about Birds of Prey, because you know that I called this, you Bizzlecast listeners know, that I said this was going to bomb many, 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 many months ago, uh, and Jason Jimbo Ritter, as a loyal uh, fan and now senior contributor, I'm sure you remember the Bizzlecast 259, which which I entitled a fantabulously furious Bizzlecast rant, Margot Robbie, have you lost your damn mind? And the only subtext I put on that in the copy was, and yes, it's even more horrifying than you think. Uh, and this was, um, oh god, I gotta figure out when this was ago, but, but Jason, you loyally, as promised, saw it opening weekend, and the reviews, uh, at least uh, initially, were much better than I thought, but the box office is so much worse, and the, as we're gonna talk about in this quickie, um, it, it's sort of the reverse of our, of our final prediction, was that our best case scenario slash prediction was that it would get really bad reviews, but do decently in the box office to keep interest in D. This is much worse um, and could put pressure on Wonder Woman in future properties. And so I want to get your reaction and a little non-spoiler summary of the movie itself. But first of all, welcome to the Bizzlecast. And what is your reaction to these terrible, terrible, terrible numbers that are coming in that are literally getting worse by the day and the hour? Thank you. I mean, first of all, I got to say about the numbers is oof, 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 oof. Yeah. I mean, they are much worse than we thought. I mean, we didn't even expect it to get, like, 15, like, on a Friday. I mean, my gosh. For the record, I I made my Margot Robbie Have You Lost Your Damn Mind on September 15th, 2019. And as you remember, as you remember, dude, that was also around the time with the Haley Steinfeld thing, where now it doesn't look like it's going to happen with Marvel or or DC, but at the time, it looked like Marvel was about to sign uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld to the Hawkeye show, which may not even happen now. That's a separate podcast. But I also did an entire mini podcast just ranting about how DC screwed up not signing Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld to be Barbara Gordon or literally anything um, being a, the perfect age and a huge level of fame and Marvel hadn't signed her yet. So that was around that time too when I was really, really down on DC. But then, man, with all the Batman news since then and Wonder Woman looking great and people pumped about that, and then it went up to being very excited about DC. And here we are four or five months later and Margot Robbie, have you lost your damn mind? Turns out my, my man, uh, not necessarily to be uh, as much her fault uh, as as maybe that particular um, uh, podcast prediction um, uh, you know speculated and obviously there was a little clickbait in that although I was really mad at the time so it was mostly from the heart I want to get into your review of the movie um, in a second but let me just tell you that uh, let me just ask you this I'm sure you remember the, the our final uh, prediction from a week or two ago right where we predicted the opposite of this which is that it would do well in the box office and get terrible reviews so what's your general reaction to just 
just the horrible box office with Margot Robbie, who, let's be honest, is an A-list actress in real movies who people normally love on all levels. Harley Quinn, supposedly everybody loves. And this is going to be the rated R, dark, twisted Harley Quinn movie that everyone's going to see. My hardcore DC friends actually do like it, it seems like. I don't think you're going to give it such a great review. Uh, So I'm going to ask you one second, your review. But before that, respond to just the mess that is the release of this movie. Well, I was trying to figure out beforehand when I was before this podcast how many years it's been since Suicide Squad. It's been four years since we've seen Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in a movie. That's a great that's, point. That's not good. I mean, I mean, you got to strike when the iron's hot. They strike when the iron cooled down. I mean, that's not a good thing. So, Suicide so. Squad opened to $133 million en route to 746 worldwide. And if these current numbers hold up, J-Bone, that's more than four times what the Birds of Prey opening is going to be, which means a worldwide total closer to $200 million, which is a ginormous, ginormous failure. Uh, just for a little bit of context... The budget for this movie was $85 million, which is in the Logan Deadpool range uh, that we thought, and it was, you know, about 40% of the $175 million of Suicide Squad. Nevertheless, only making 150 to 200 all told, um, uh, worldwide, dude, is a huge failure. But not only that, it's playing at all 4,200 theaters that get all the movies. Like, 4,200 is like Avengers Endgame. Every single theater has multiple screens of Birds of Prey. It is making no fucking money. So I'm going to open this up to you for you to talk about your experience of just being there and then your experience of the movie. And then we'll wrap on this quickie and, uh, and get to our our longer flash um point <laughs> uh review which i can already tell you dude the flash movie is going to be way better and get way more people whenever it happens uh your your experience uh, of being in the theater and the movie itself non-spoiler for now all right so i walked in the theater it was just me and father ritter in the theater and i'm thinking eh, there might be more people coming in nope no. just me and him Watching the movie. Oh, my God. Wait, this was... So, guys, it is currently Saturday, um, February 8th. I was just at my uh, nephew's, twin nephew's birthday party. They just turned four. Love them. They're doing great. The twinsy, uh, twinsy Brenners doing excellently, uh, Mr. Ritter. Um, uh, and so you saw it yesterday? Yes. And it was op- and this is opening weekend. Right. So pe- not including in Thursday future. night previews, which don't exist many places, you saw essentially opening day, and there was nobody there, even yes. though, again, it's playing at 4,236 theaters, which is essentially the maximum number of, of theaters that are out there. Um, just to give you uh, a, um, uh, a comparison... Um, uh, let me see. I'm going to look up Avengers Endgame. So c- talk about the movie. There was nobody there. Uh, you were prepared to not like yep. the movie. And it's getting better reviews, but w- with only a 5.9 on Metacritic from fans, even though it says 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, I have no faith or trust in Rotten Tomatoes, either fan score or critic score. And indeed, a 60 on Metacritic and a 5.9 from fans on Metacritic is much closer to what I think the, the mood must be, because otherwise... Right? People would be going to this thing. You know you're in trouble when the manager keeps walking the theater just to make sure there are people in there, because if they're not, they're probably going to show off that, that screen. So, 
All right. So talk to me about the movie. At what point did you realize well, it was going to be bad? I, well, uh, the beginning was good. Um, I realized it wasn't going to be maybe my cup of tea was when there was this running joke about like a, a sandwich, breakfast sandwich. Mm. That was really weird. I did not understand that hmm. at all. Um, and, uh, okay. Well, well, okay. No, go ahead. And well, obviously the stuff I did like was obviously our boy Ewan McGregor was I hear he's fantastic. Great. I hear he's great. Yes. Yes, he is amazing. Black Mask. Standout of the movie was him and the uh, the girl that plays Black Canary are my standouts. Um, which is played by what's her name from Scott Pilgrim, right? Who's like as we talked about in the past. Kind no, of- no, oh, no, 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 no. No, that that's that's Huntress. Oh, that was Huntress. Oh, the Black Canary was the young African American woman who's won like a bazillion awards in the in, in from the African American and just general film industry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's in like she was in the Friday Night Lights show. That's that's what I know. But mm-hmm. she was she was great, which I felt bad because it seems like she's probably not going to be in any more DC movies probably after this. <laughs> so. So you were you were. I hope I see. You yeah. Again. So you were not. In, I don't so think we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to Margot. We're gonna get to Margot. Okay. Hold on one sec. We're gonna get to Margot. First of all, though, we were also excited, at least at the time. Well, I look this up. Keep talking about. The, let's talk about the high points of the movie first. So Ewan. All right. Ewan McGregor was amazing as Black Mask. Um, the guy who plays uh, Victor Saz was also really good. Like those two, like. You could like their chemistry was great in the show, in the movie, as is like his number two henchmen or something like that. Like, they were great. Um, um, th- those were my high points. Uh, I mean, okay. I like the uh, the animation. Me getting in the movie was pretty okay. Interesting. I'm going to ask you some general film questions about it, and you give uh, a ranking or a quick thought. Okay. All right. So you said, right, there's some cool animation, look very colorful. So just the actual physical filmmaking visually, uh, how would you rank it or, or what would you say about it? It was very, it felt like a, almost like a Tarantino movie at times. That's what I'm going to say. So you're saying it was filmed well? Yeah, it was filmed well. Um, did they use like anime animation type stuff throughout or it was more just sort of in the intro? Like they use animation stuff in the intro mostly. Mm-hmm. So, now, do you remember in Suicide Squad where they would, like, pop up text about, like, who the characters are and stuff in that movie? Which is also a very Tarantino thing, which I do like. And Scott Pilgrim did the same thing, yeah. Yeah, there is there is a lot of that in this movie. Like, when you first see, like, this person is Black Mask, and the name Black Mask is next to... Ewan McGregor. Which, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, is an admission that no one would know who the characters were. And so even though it's creative and cool, it's an admission that people would be confused by who the hell these characters were, even though they are major in the comics and or been on TV. Yeah, and they would say, and and they showed, like, like in their character, this one is Black Canary, this one is Huntress, hmm. this one is Renee Montoya, which, like, there is a lot of text pop popping up in this movie mm-hmm. that's that's i'm just it's a lot more than suicide squad mm-hmm. um 
Did this feel like a spinoff or sequel? I mean, did this feel like in the Suicide Squad part of the DC verse as much as we kind of expected it would? Kind, kind of, but also kind of felt like in like a like a Deadpool type type universe too a bit. So, how would you rank this compared mm-hmm. to Suicide Squad as at least as a first watching experience? I think I would probably probably go back to Suicide Squad a bit more than this one, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. So you were not um, impressed by Journey Smollett Bell? No, I, I said I was. No, you said I'm sorry by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who played Huntress. Oh, I, oh, I, I like I liked her too, but was it more the material um, and the character, or was just the actress of Journey Smollett Bell really good, or both? It's because. I guess it's because maybe she had more screen time than the Huntress did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Really? Was it like, just she came earlier to the sort of mini Avengers crew or what? Like she's in the movie earlier than Huntress. Like guys, Hunt, we're, this, like, is gonna till, be, like, this is not going to be. This is hold on one sec, Jay. Um, this is not going to be a spoiler. Um, let's put it this way: any minor spoilers are going to start now. Um, and so thank you for joining us, because I do have some specific questions, not about the ultimate plot or the major reveals, um, but be warned, in terms of the order of characters coming in, it's going to start now, so be warned. So Jason, how did the, did it, was it like the Avengers, where they were introducing character by character, and they slowly came together? Um, were they fighting each other, you know, like Iron Man and Cap, and then they became friends? Like, how would you compare it to some of the sort of team movies we've seen before? Um, uh, well, the f- basically it was... Renee Montoya was basically fighting Harley Quinn throughout the movie, and then she reluctantly teams up with them at the end. Mm. Uh, and then Black Canary's character was like a limo driver for Black Mask. Uh, and then how, how were Canary and Huntress introduced, and what were the good and bad sides of, of those characters? Not the actresses, but the way they were used or not used. Well, Canary was used like they did reference her as, you know, if you've seen the trailers, they show that she's a singer at, at the club, too, so. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, they show her, like, she doesn't really use her powers till like, the third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, I was just waiting forever for her just to use the powers, because I fit they should use them maybe earlier in the movie, but. Okay, so then again, I'm final character question. Movie. We can revisit this, and then I'm going to talk some uh, movies that I like, or it just you know were considered bad by people that did almost as well or better. Uh, that you guys will be surprised than the Birds of Prey. Currently, Jason, there, there's after a 45 million, which was a very conservative prediction from WB themselves, went on f- from in Friday morning. They were still saying. Um, uh, they were still saying mid forties, but by this morning they're already down to thirty two, thirty three, and you know what happens with movie trends, man. Tomorrow morning they're gonna say it's not even thirty million, is my guess, which is really bad. And I'm gonna give you guys some b- Bizzle movies that I praise, uh, or just that you know are you might not expect have done so well in the theaters, just to compare Birds of Prey to. Um, but Jason, you know that based just on the fact that she was nobody, that I didn't want Cassandra 
Sandra Kane, and I'm constantly mad about no Barbara Gordon Batgirl. I have been ripping the casting of Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane, having nothing to do with the actress, but just the idea that that was going to be Cassandra Kane, you know, in the first possible Batgirl with this young, you know, woman with no or girl with no experience. So, for the one spoiler for this podcast, tell me about Ella J. Basco and Cassandra Kane. She was okay. Like, was she Batgirl? Like, was, yeah. was she Batgirl at all? No. She was, basically, you could have just named her any. So what you're telling in me the, is in, this in, has zero in, negative impact on possible for future Barbara Gordon, which is what I want to know. No. Has no impact on Batgirl at all. Okay. Basically, they made her like, like a street kid. And at the end of the movie, spoilers, they made her go into business with Harley Quinn. So she's Harley's little uh, monkey girl? She's her sidekick now. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did Harley Quinn go fully good in this movie? What's the legacy of her insanity and the Joker and stuff from Suicide Squad? I mean, have they, have they made her Natasha Romanoff all of a sudden? Not exactly. Well, I'm asking you, based on Suicide Squad in this movie, and then having Suicide Squad 2, which still could succeed because of a better cast and a much better director, is her her arc like Yennefer in The Witcher leading from really badness to really goodness? Or did they maintain the ambiguity? Like, who was she fighting? Was she fighting good guys or bad guys or both? Okay. So what happened in the movie is she she breaks up with Joker. Which okay, guys, here's full spoilers because I want Jason to actually talk, and he's being hesitant to talk. So we are now in full spoilers, and then we're going to close up. So if you're joining us, you don't want full spoilers. Thank you. If you're cool with full spoilers, which I think you will be because most of you are not going to see it based on the numbers. So just tell the story, Jason, for me and everybody else. So she so in the movie they have her as people know from the trailers they made her break up with the Joker, and because of that in the movie that puts a bounty on her head where people she wronged in her previous life with Joker are after her and want to kill her and stuff. So, so black mask is on the top of the list. Obviously the, is there, is there a Joker in this movie? It's just mentioned. There's there is an animation. He's in the animated intro. And that's about it. Whose Joker is in this mainstream universe at this point? Or we don't even know. This Joker is Jared Leto. Okay, so whether he comes back or not, it's still the character portrayed by Jared Leto. Yes, it's Jared Leto Joker. Is there any foreseeable way that they work in Joaquin Phoenix, who is considered, like, Oscar-worthy with a performance? No, there's no way. Um, All right, go go ahead. And then there's, like, there's a Batman reference, and then there's a Captain Boomerang reference in here. That's about it. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, here's a list of movies that uh, performed either somewhat worse or on par with where we think the movie's going to be. And the, most of these movies were liked by me um, or, or related to properties that are liked by me. And I'd say about two-thirds of them I really liked. And are, as you know, Ritter and longtime listeners are examples of movies I use all the time uh, that were underrated uh, and wrongly um, ripped or just ignored for the wrong reasons. Uh, so you can chime in on any of these, uh, Ritter. 
So I'll start with the ones that I talk about a lot that I think are actually good. Um, and, uh, and, and even if the opening weekend wasn't quite as good, ultimately it did really, really well. Um, the first one, which did the worst, man, is Ghost in the Shell. And the two reasons the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell failed is nobody knew the property. It's even way more obscure than Blade Runner. And there was a smear campaign about her not being Asian, even though everyone else was Asian and the character of Matoko in the comics, in the mangas, and the TV it, movies, it's not clear that she's Asian. She doesn't look Asian, and it's not clear where she came from, because her mind was totally wiped. And, spoiler alert, she actually ends up being a, a, a replacement body for an Asian woman, and has an Asian mother, and so forth, which goes even further than the books, and the creator of Ghost in the Shell praised the movie publicly. Now, it only opened to 18 million, man, which is, you know, uh, probably going to be about 60-65% of Birds of Prey, but it did end up making 170 worldwide. Um, now, on a budget of 110, that's a huge failure, unfortunately, but in terms of 170 worldwide on an 18 million opening for Ghost in the Shell is not bad, but let's get to some ones that people don't realize how much money they made. You want to guess? There's a couple here. You want to guess one? Terminator Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis with Amelia Clark, who was amazing, and they stupidly recast for Terminator. Okay, so let me start with the newer one. Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, opened to 29 million, which is what Birds of Prey is going to be. But worldwide, on a 185 million dollar James Cameron budget, made 261 million dollars. So with all in, they lost money on this movie. Stupidly recasting Sarah Connor, even though I like Mackenzie Davis, casting from Amelia Clark, who's fucking Khaleesi and an A plus actress who was amazing in Genesis, Dark Fate, uh, Dark Fate with a pathetic 261 million worldwide with more than twice the budget of fucking uh, <laughs> Birds of Prey open to $29 million. And so we're looking at a best-case worldwide uh, total scenario, Jason, of $260 million for Birds of Prey, which, if they get there, is not horrible on an $85 million budget. It must be said, the budget's a big part here. But Terminator Genesis, which was the one uh, with uh, Khaleesi with Amelia Clark from 2015, it opened to $27 million, which was the same, but Jason, because of the international totals, hit $440 million worldwide. And on a $150 million budget, it's unclear why they wouldn't recast uh, Amelia Clark, who's much better and more famous than Mackenzie Davis, why they wouldn't recast her, making almost $450 million worldwide. There's no way with a $27 million opening of Birds of Prey that it's going to make $440 worldwide. And the last one I'm going to bring up for now, Jason, is of course Warcraft, which is the best of the movies. I, I, I mean, I think it and Terminator are both B plus to A minus movies. Those are the two least appreciated. Oh. Oh, go ahead. I like Terminator Genesis. Yeah. Warcraft um, opened to $24 million, which is slightly less than we think is going to be the case with Birds of Prey. It only made $47 million domestically on a $160 million budget, but dude, it made $440 million worldwide, mostly because of China did Warcraft, and making 440 on 160 
with a, with a franchise that people still love a world with World of Warcraft. It makes no sense, especially with Duncan Jones, who's a great director. It really made no sense to not do a sequel. Now, I would say the Terminator uh, sequel, or whatever you want to call it, makes even less sense because you have Amelia Clark, who's so famous and so loved, um, and did a great job with Sarah Connor. So the continuity there, with no real famous actors in Warcraft, those both had a poor opening and made a ton worldwide. So green lighting a Warcraft 2, for me, would be a no-brainer uh, based on the potential. Uh, but even more of a no-brainer is keeping Amelia Clark. But dude, as we see with Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie does great and she's when she's in a Scorsese movie or you know she's playing Nancy Kerrigan and winning Oscars and or nominated for Oscars everybody loves her but I have to say as my final thought here Ritter um is it's clear that Margot Robbie and more specifically Harley Quinn who supposedly everybody loves are not as much of a box office draw as we think and Suicide Squad team must be a little nervous right now my final thought and I'll give you final thought and we'll close this up so we can get to the other podcast yeah so my final thoughts is Suicide Squad might there's more pressure on them to have a really good opening so they to to make to show people that people still like Harley Quinn, because if not, we may not see her as Harley Quinn anymore. You mentioned you, you, that this might put pressure on Wonder Woman. I disagree strongly, because Gal Gadot, you know, who was a nobody and has done nothing, you know, in terms of award-winning stuff compared to Margot Robbie, is clearly a giant box office draw. We saw that with the spectacular performance of Wonder Woman. But I think you're right with what you just said, was even though it's a little down the road, this is much more concerning for Suicide Squad in that part of the universe. I don't think Wonder Woman, specifically because Wonder Woman has its own verse, really, in its own tone, I don't think it's going to be a threat to Wonder Woman. But maybe, maybe as an XDC movie. But, you know, it's gone the other way. Wonder Woman in summer of 2017 kicked ass, and then Justice League with Wonder Woman a few uh, um, a months later, and Ben Affleck and the whole team made less money. So who fucking knows? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have all the confidence in the world that Wonder Woman's going to do well, because it's people love Wonder Wo- Woman. And it didn't take... And it's and there's now like four-year gap for her. It's been three years since we see her in the movie, not four. So that should help a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, dude, well, uh, let's close up this particular review. Um, uh, what would you grade it? Um, give, give me a grade. Um, you can do what I do, which is give it a comic book grade and then a movie grade, or just do one. I'll leave it up to you. I'm just going to do the movie okay. grade because there's not much. It's, doesn't, it's not much. And a lot of stuff here doesn't follow the comic books too much, so I'm not going to count it as that. Um, I'm thinking maybe, oof, uh, C minus, which is my grade for Rise of Skywalker. That's pretty bad. Now, of course, my C minus for Rise of Skywalker. Let's put it this way: you are a DC guy, but your expectations and hopes for this movie were way lower than mine for Star Wars. And so, my C minus is also based on just spite and massive Star Wars fanboy disappointment. So it's a little different, but wow, C minus, yikes! Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been higher, but. You couldn't even draw your crowd in with a good marketing campaign. Yep, that's really... The only trailer that was good was the last trailer. I mean, where was that for the first two trailers? Obviously, they they need to sharpen up their marketing. Mm. And I'm hoping Wonder Woman has a good marketing, or else you're going to hear the wrath. 
Well, and, of Jim Bell. And we're going to talk about this as we continue our State of the DC podcast, J-Bone. But one of our predictions in your early podcast was that they were going to undermarket this movie because they were already concerned that it was going to be bad and they didn't want to poison Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Batman. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, Marvel Studios hasn't had a movie so pathetically bad that they were nervous to, to market it. Um, because what they do is, like, with the Hawkeye show, they just cut it if they think it's going to be trash or they can't handle it. But these first few Marvel shows, which will have to be another podcast with Bucky Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki, you know we're going to kill because they're all great actors that people love. And they're not worried, you know, whatsoever about Doctor Strange, Black Panther 2, and those movies coming up, I, I think it's safe to say. DC is constantly having to worry about this. Yeah, because this is going to be another... This is going to be a stain on their record, yep. just like Justice League was for them, too. So mm-hmm. I'm just hoping we don't have release the bird a prey cut now because yep. I will not. I, I just can't deal with that right now. Yep. <laughs> so, we're, guys, thank you for listening. Um, this will be released first, uh, but shortly thereafter going to be our longer Flash movie, Flashpoint, and overall state of the DC universe, which will be um, might be two podcasts. Or one long one. We'll see how it goes. But as I let you go here on this particular podcast, Jason, we're going to take a break and keep recording. I think it's safe to say we are both way more excited and way more confident about the Flash movie, which we're about to talk about in five minutes. Yep, and I'm very more, and I'm more confident about Wonder Woman than I was for this movie. So. Yeah, I think there's a viewing of the Birds of Prey failure that actually boosts Wonder Woman's potential and attractiveness. Yeah, well... And, you know, I mean, I could technically, I guess, I could technically still podcast from Birth to Prey. I mean, there is enough seating there for me just to podcast and maybe do a commentary there. All right. Well, we'll we'll get back to that. But let's take a quick break. (laughs) Thank you, BizzleCast listeners, for joining. But you really are going to enjoy our State of the DC because we talk about CW. We talk about the DC Universe streaming service. um, And we talk about in all media the ups and downs and the unknowns. But it's mostly uh, ends up being a focus on Flash. Why, you know, our our confusion about why it took so long, our excitement and, and, you know, liking of Ezra. Miller and excitement for more Ezra Miller and more Flash, how it might compare to the TV show and all that stuff, and now some news about Flashpoint um, and so forth. So, you know, guys, I actually have some friends who do like the dark DC movies uh, and comic book movies in general who are liking Birds of Prey. Um, And so while Jason expected not to like it and gave it the C-minus that I expected you to give it, nevertheless, there are some people who are liking it. So if you want to see it, go see it. Um, But just be warned that there is a chance that you might hate it because jason is a very open-minded and optimistic guy right dude right okay all right bizzlecast listeners thank you so much for joining us uh definitely join us for the longer dc flash podcast uh may the force be with you but for now the bizzlecast is out